Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we examine the rhythm of ordinary life and how we can be faithful even in the basic routines we sometimes view as mundane. Faithfulness is an opportunity available to us in every arena of life. We begin looking at six different perspectives about everyday human existence and how they fit into our desire to live life as an epic journey. So today we're going to continue with the terrain of the journey. Last week we talked about the valleys of the journey, of the terrain, and our epic tale that we're all living. And we saw Job as a great example of how the valleys can be used to bring us into a relationship with God, to know Him by faith, in a way that we'll never have another opportunity to do. And how God really wanted His favorite guy to make sure he didn't miss out on anything on his two-minute adventure ride. But, you know, most of our life is lived in every day. And Job, we don't know how long that period was where he went through that intense suffering. And certainly those times are incredibly important in shaping who we become, but most of life is routine, and we tend to uh, underestimate the value of that routine. Martin Luther said this, the maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays, not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. (laughs) The word routine comes from the Latin root, which essentially means a beaten path. We get our word root from it, like Route 66. And it's just the routine of doing things we do all the time. Washing dishes, changing diapers, paying bills, doing our repetitive tasks at work, showing up at 8 o'clock. And this is where most of Christianity is to be lived and where God cares about all these things and to an enormous extent. Oswald Chambers has a uh, writing here. It's worth reflection. He says, we do not need the grace of God to withstand crisis. And I, I don't think he's talking about here that, uh, that the, the extended period of crisis, but the crisis of the moment itself. Human nature and pride are sufficient for us to face the stress and strain magnificently. But it does require the supernatural grace of God to live 24 hours of every day as a saint, going through drudgery, living an ordinary, unnoticed, and ignored existence as a disciple of Jesus. It is ingrained in us that we have to do exceptional things for God, but we do not. We have to be exceptional in the ordinary things of life and holy on the ordinary streets among ordinary people. And this is not learned in five minutes. (laughs) Yeah, ordinary life is a big, big, big deal and it tends to be grossly underemphasized. Let's look at one of the best verses on this topic, Colossians 3. Colossians 3.23. Colossians 3.23 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. And this verse is incredibly important for a couple of reasons. One is, 
it makes it clear that the inheritance can be a reward. There are various verses in the Bible that say you can lose your inheritance if you do these things. And those verses are often used to say we can lose our justification. God says, pronounces, you are free of all sin for all time, and later says, I changed my mind, and erases it. Of course, God does not do that. And here we can see the inheritance is a reward. But not all inheritance is a reward. Flip over to Romans 8 real quick. Romans 8, 17, starting 60. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We are children of God. And if children, then heirs, inheritors. Heirs of God. Being an heir of God is totally unconditional. We can never lose that inheritance because we're born into God's family. Now, once we're born into God's family, it's a permanent thing. But look at the next part of that verse. And joint heirs with Christ, a joint inheritor with Christ, if we suffer with Him, that we may be glorified with Him. So there's a part of the inheritance, the the familial part, the part about being born into His family, we didn't have anything to do with that. Just like our physical birth, we had nothing to do with it. We just showed up about two, two, two years old or something, we woke up and said we're alive. But the... The actual, uh, the actual part of the inheritance where we grow up and either become responsible and can help the family fortune or we become irresponsible and for our best interest they write us out of the will, that part depends on what we become. So the reward of the inheritance is the part about our possession. Do we reign with Christ or not? That's conditional. But the other reason this is so important, this verse, is because of its emphasis on what faithfulness looks like. Who is Jesus looking for to share his throne with? He's looking for, go back to verse 22, bondservants, employees, not the masters, not the executives, not the business owners. Oh, back to Colossians 3. Back to Colossians 3.22. So Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it heartily. Colossians 3.22, this is who he's talking to. Bond servants, regular employees, people who are just doing a job. They're in charge of the horses. They're in charge of the farm. They're in charge of the house. They're in charge of bringing in the crops. They're in charge of raising the children, perhaps, or caring for the children. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service. If you were a bond servant, it would be very, very tempting to only work when you knew you were being watched. Pays the same either way, right? But he says, no, no. Work as though you're working for me, God. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Care what God thinks. Why? Why do you want to care what God thinks? Because God is watching. And now let's go, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men, knowing from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. God wants to look for faithful people in small things, and that's who he wants to give to share his throne with him. Well, (laughs) you really can't beat that deal. It's It's like the best deal ever. Except it takes faith to believe. Because this isn't something we can see. can't see God. And the reward is in the future. Uh, admittedly, from a standpoint of existence, it's just a wisp of vapor, but it doesn't seem like to us, uh, that to us at the time. 
Uh, Look who else he's talking to. Verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. This is also a way to win the reward of the inheritance. Good parenting. Uh, There's nothing more grueling than being a good parent. It never lets up. The the kids never stop testing the boundaries. Uh, And they, they never stop their bodily functions that you have to clean up after. They... They never stop getting hungry. But look, being a good parent is the kind of thing that God's looking for. Oh, yeah, that's who I want to share my throne with me. And even look at verse 20. Children, obey your your, uh, parents in all things. Isn't this crazy? One of the things we can teach our children is, you want to make God happy, do, do what I ask you to do. I don't know if you've used that lever or not, but I recommend it. Look at 19. Husbands, love your wives. Don't be bitter toward them. This is, that's just who God's looking for. There's nothing... Oh, no, no, let me, not, let me go there. <laughs> wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. It's not easy to respect someone who's an idiot, right? And to, all men are idiots to various extents. It's just a matter of degree. But when you choose to do so... God is saying, man, look, that's a servant king I want to share my throne with. So it, it's amazing, and these are all just everyday things. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Even the words we use during the day, God is looking for faithfulness. And he's, and this is, this is the, the extent or the... The, the core part of how we win the reward of the inheritance. I got to read Diane Pass's book on John Pass. I don't, I, hopefully all of you have gotten to meet John. He was uh, in his late 80s when he died. And he was really, really loved by people in our church. He was, for many reasons, not the least of which was his contagious enthusiasm for life and his overbearing friendliness. He's the closest thing to a golden retriever that jumps up and puts his muddy paws on you every time he sees you that you'll ever meet. And Diane wrote this book about his life. I got to preview it. And I was thinking about it. And it was kind of remarkable to me that Diane had a few episodes in there where they mounted significant difficulties, these valleys, these trials of life. And that was a big part of what shaped them. But most of the memories were just of John being John. Just where he, with enthusiasm, did something in everyday life that to John would not have been remarkable at all. He was just being himself. But it made a big impact on someone else. Well, so, see, even in everyday life, it's that way. I remember when my dad was dying, I got to go see him about two weeks before he died. He went really fast. The last time I saw him, he was carrying firewood into the house. Uh, but I remember him saying something like um, people uh, talking to him about things that he did that really impacted them positively and him not even remember doing it. And I, I think this is a common occurrence. And... That's just a small snippet of God's perspective where he knows the importance of everyday things. I mean, he cares about the hairs on our head. He cares about the sparrows. Everyday matters. 
This is where most of life is lived. So what I want to do now is go through six different perspectives about everyday life that hopefully will help us be encouraged of the importance of what we do. Uh, We have a media that's constantly feeding us the notion that our life is not as important as the people in Hollywood that set their hair on fire every day, or or uh, or our lives is not as important as the politicians who uh, meddle in our lives all the time, or it's, you know, something, being famous is a big deal, this pop culture business, being famous. But that's not, that's not reality. And I think rehearsing these perspectives, I think, will help us in uh, realizing what reality is really like. So the first perspective, a job well done reflects God who specializes in work excellence. When we do excellent work, it, we're actually reflecting God. Work matters a lot. Uh, you, Titus writes about this thing. He says in Titus 2.9, Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of our God, or of God our Savior in all things. Uh, in the message... Eugene Peterson says this, then their good character will shine through their actions, adding luster to the teaching of our Savior God. When we do excellent, we actually reflect who God is. You know, the first time we encounter God in the Bible, what is He doing? He's creating. Have you, have you noticed the creation, the extent to which the details are taken care of? It's pretty spectacular, isn't it? Uh, as microbiology continues to develop, this notion of simple to complex has totally cratered. There's no simple. The, the, the intricacy of even down to the molecular level is immense. These cells in our body have basically all the same functions that a factory does, including security guards and burglars, the viruses that get in through the security. There's Mission Impossible going on in our body all the time. Uh, but, you know, that's what God does. He takes care of detail. One of our sons was on a sports team, and the team substantially underperformed really what it should have. And he told me one time, as someone came and asked him what the, what the main reason for that was, and he said, lack of attention to detail. You know, we had the capability... But what we did not do is the small things, the, the basics. We would talk about it, but we didn't do it over and over and over again. If you're going to be successful in a game, you have to do these things over and over again. If you're a basketball player, for example, it takes a lot of energy to go try to get a rebound on every play. It's draining. And if you try on every play, you might get two extra rebounds a game. Maybe just one. After all that effort, for one or two. And you might get one basket out of that. Well, if you have six or seven guys that play, take most of the minutes, and they all do that, that's 10 rebounds and 20 points, and you win every game. And that's kind of the way life goes. Not surprisingly, Jesus himself, if we look at Mark 7.37, And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. Well, 
that's before Jesus had his earthly ministry. Jesus was a faithful worker, and he was faithful in his everyday tasks. We all have a number of jobs that we do. We have our vocational jobs. But, you know, really, going back to Colossians 3, we have our parent jobs, perhaps our grandparent job, our son or daughter job, our friend job, our community member job, our citizen job, our church member job. All these jobs have everyday components to it, and they're all work. The first thing God gave Adam to do after he created Go to work. That's what we're made for. Look at little kids. What do they do? They pretend to work. They build things and tear them apart. <laughs> they play house. They cook. Imaginary. What is it? Uh, pasta yogurt is what our granddaughters want to always cook for us. I have no idea how pasta yogurt can uh, taste, but we have had a lot of it. <laughs> Dorothy Sayers has an essay called Why Work? Dorothy Sayers was one of the inklings with uh, J.R. Tolkien and, um, and C.S. Lewis. She says this, The church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined to exhorting him not to be drunk and disloyally in his leisure hours and to come to church on Sundays. What the church should be telling him is this, that the very first demand his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. Church by all means and decent forms of amusement, certainly. But what use is all of that if the very center of his life and occupation he is insulting God with bad carpentry? No crooked le table legs or ill-fitting drawers ever, I dare swear, come out of the carpenter shop at Nazareth. Nor, if they did, could anyone believe that they were made by that same hand that made heaven and earth. No piety in the worker will compensate for work that is not true to itself, for any work that is untrue to its own technique is a living lie. She, the church, has forgotten that the secular vocation is sacred, forgotten that a building must be good architecture before it can be a good church, that a painting must be well painted before it can be a good sacred picture, that work must be good work before it can call itself God's work. What the church should be telling her is this, the very first demand that his religion makes on him, on him is that he makes good tables. It isn't just that the ultimate hero of the universe made great tables. It's that the ultimate hero of the universe made great tables as a part of becoming the ultimate hero of the universe. Jesus did carpentry for 30 years. Now, Jesus was a tecton, and that has been interpreted as carpenter. It may actually be stonemason in this area. Nazareth was a big stonework. The principle's the same. This teaching will continue in the following episode. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.